Hello and welcome to the Mega Game Assembly Mega Game Report podcast for September 2019. My name is Harrison, and I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for downloading this month's episode. And we've got a corker for you. In conjunction with Seamus's incredible, incredible Mega Game reports from the Event Horizon, I am chatting to Matty and Edward McDaniel about their experience of the Event Horizon game. This is a game that I unfortunately had to miss due to a last-minute cancellation. So I'm green with envy as we run through all the various things that happened, and it sounds like it was a bit of a corker. So without any further ado, enjoy. Um, anything you want to talk about before we start recording? Yeah, I've got a list of deeply offensive jokes. Um, jokes about women, jokes about minorities. Yeah, um, cool. Just cool. I figure I'll pepper them in every couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. And I'll, I'll edit them out and send them to your employer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and hello to Matty and Ed, who are joining me now to talk about Event Horizon. So Matty is a podcast regular by now, having done at least one podcast with us already, so we don't need to do much to, too much of an introduction there. But Mr. McDaniel, who the hell are you, and why should you be on this podcast? Uh, it's a fantastic question. If you know the answer, let me know. Um, I'm assuming you just wanted um, a very ignorant and um, limited perspective on the day's events. So clearly we went to America for that. That's right. <laughs> I've got my MAGA hat on. Fantastic. Big, big mug of coffee, ready to go. So give us your 30-second pitch for who you are and what your history of mega gaming is. So my 30-second pitch for mega gaming is... Um, I was running some mega games in Dallas when I lived there a few years ago without knowing that they were mega games. I sort of backed into it from wargaming and LARPing um, and moved over here. Like a lot of people saw the Shut Up and Sit Down video because I was looking if there was um, anything similar to what I'd been doing in Dallas going on. My first mega game was Everybody Dies 2 up in Manchester, and then I was hooked. Um, been doing as many as I can every year for the last two years or so. Um, so I'm a little bit of a regular and yeah, I went to event horizons, my most recent game. Fantastic. And what's your funny or interesting fact about yourself? I don't know that I have anything funny or interesting. Um, well, I guess the interesting thing could be, um, I'm from America and that makes me more interesting than, you know, most of the people here. Oh, sick oh shots fired. Sick <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that'll do that'll do <laughs> that'll uh, light up the comment section and if anyone has any opinions on what you've just said ed how can they find you <laughs> <laughs> i'm um yeah my email address is um make america great uk gmail.com <laughs> okay so we are talking about event horizon which was run on september the 14th in london at the arc center i believe i probably should have looked that up that's good yes yeah, the arc center, center. Arc center. Uh, this was run by horizon mega games and was designed by johan of uh, gothenburg mega games and all the cool mega games that happen on the, on the european continent not here um and matty i believe you were control and ed you were a player is that all correct yes that is correct yes Fantastic. Okay. So, Matty, what was your control role for the day? So, I was uh, control for the aft uh, section of the Event Horizon. So, we had an Event Horizon room, which was separate, and the ship was divided in three sections. So, forward, middle, back, and I was controlling the back, which had the engine on it, although players didn't know this at the beginning. Fantastic. And, Ed, what was your player role? Um, So, I was on the broadsword which was a um, ship of former U.S. um, special forces who'd become mercenaries and were employed by Blackwater to basically be their muscle. 
and I was um, just one of the thugs um, working for uh, Captain Chris <laughs> on the broadsword. I think I think he prefers the term specialist rather than thug, but I think I think that makes, it, makes the point <laughs> quite well. Okay, so the um, brief too long didn't read uh, setup for the game is basically the same as the movie uh, in that there's a big ass ship called the Event Horizon which disappeared and has suddenly reappeared. And the race is on for a whole bunch of different ships from Earth to go along and find out exactly where it's been, what's happened to it. Every, everybody has their own objectives as to what they want to do with the ship, and that's the Mega game. Is that pretty much it in a nutshell? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. So let's start the game from a player perspective. Ed, what were you doing at the very beginning of the game? Um, so our brief was very much that we are um, fully paid for and employed by... Um, Blackwater, and we need to do what they tell us to do. Um, I had a personal brief, which was um, that I was fascinated by AI, and that I'd heard that there was an AI on the Blackwater, and I wanted to talk to it. The I had some issues with the brief, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Um, but the game started out, and the first two turns were the fleet, um, led by the UN, approaching the event horizon, making plans for what we were going to do when we were going to get there, people spreading rumors, that kind of thing. Um, then docked with the event horizon, all the plans immediately fell apart. Um, there's a lot of chaos and running around, um, people catching on fire and blowing things up. I have a question initially for that. Um, my understanding is in-game it was effectively two turns before you got to the event horizon where you guys were in a combination of just sitting in your ship or in stasis. Is that is that correct? Yes. So, um, how, how, how did that work out? Because that that sounds to me like a, a less than ideal start to the day. But I'm I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. So there were basically um, there's the the ship captains who are all in a council game led by the UN um, theoretically that um, they were making plans and talking and arguing over their various objectives, and then about half of the players um, who were in stasis were taken into the room where the Event Horizon map was, and they played through like a dream sequence tutorial that sort of taught them the game and um, gave them like a foreshadowing of the stuff that had been happening on the Event Horizon. Okay, so that, that, that sounds pretty cool. Yes. For the people who weren't in the council and weren't um, taken to do the tutorial, it was fairly slow. Um, I found it especially slow because um, we had no objectives that we could really pursue in the fleet. Um, and so it was just kind of sitting there waiting for two turns for the game to start. Right, okay. okay. But those, those players who were in stasis were effectively run through a tutorial for how to then interact with the map on the actual event horizon. Is that, is that the case? Yes. Um, although spitballing, I would say it would have been better to possibly have everybody be in stasis and do that, or have it rotated. So like turn one, some people do that. Turn two, some people do that. Because um, like with many mega games, um, just reading the rules brief doesn't necessarily make it click in your head until you've actually played it. Yeah, for sure. And so the players that were taken to go do the tutorial... Um, fundamentally had a bit of an advantage over the players that hadn't done the tutorial because they had two turns of playing the game and the other people had no turns of playing the game. Okay, and was the was there an in-universe reason for why some of you were in stasis and some of you weren't? Or I think it was because um, the ships were on the way to meet the event horizon, so the non-essential crew were in stasis um, to not use resources on the ship until we actually got to the event horizon. Right, okay, okay. 
Okay, cool. Uh, so, Matty, what were you doing during this? Were you taking part in a tutorial or were you just sitting there biding your time with your evil plans? So, the plan was that we were uh, all of the control for the event horizon standing around the tutorial table. And part of the aim for the control team was we do all this together and then we're all on the same page about um, any sort of adjudications that need to happen. Anything comes up during this tutorial, everyone's seen it we're going to be on the same page. Um, turned out uh, a few of the item stacks had not been um, set up in the way that they were supposed to. So halfway through, we realized this and I sort of went around and collected all the control and went, we need to redo the control like stack, basically. And so we ended up not actually being able to do that. But we were for about half of it. So. Okay. Yeah, because that, that, that also sounds to me like a good idea because I've, I'm sure we've all been in games where you have very different interpretations of the rules and wizard wheezes from different control. So I, mm. I like the idea of trying to get all the control on board with the same kind of idea. Just just like yeah. I like the idea of trying to get all the players <laughs> involved in some sort of tutorial. Um, I think both those sound on paper like good ideas, but perhaps some issues in the actual implementation of them is that is that what I'm? yeah i think um the idea is absolutely fantastic and the people who did get to go on the um tutorial dream sequence um all described it as an amazing time like they really liked it and it fed into the narrative later on in the game in really interesting ways Mm. Um, it was just unfortunate that for whatever reason more players couldn't be involved in doing the tutorial yeah Okay, cool. So after various people have fever dreams in stasis and council meetings occur, you arrive at the event horizon. Um, so Matty, were you involved straight away with people getting on board or were you waiting for them to come to your certain area? We got a big wave of people uh, come to my table. Most people went to the forward and uh, back sections of the ship. So there were like two people in the middle bit and I think around 10 people around the front and back. So it suddenly got really busy. There was a big wave of people that came on. And then a little bit later, the um, broadsword came on. Um, and then it got even more chaotic because then there were thugs involved. You know, that... <laughs> Spe- Specialists. <laughs> Specialists. Specialists, yes. Um, but no, so there was lots of people, um, but the turn order was fairly straightforward. So we did a the, the turn order at the event horizon worked um, as a movement sequence then do actions and then you would resolve this three times and then you'd have a sort of team time and sort of admin of life support type situation but it was out of sync so we would be we were and actually the idea was that the three tables would be in sync but they ended up not being because some tables had a lot of people and some tables had a lot less people and the tables with a lot of people took more time to administer so the three tables in the event horizon rooms very quickly did not end up having team time so it ended up being sort of a table team time that occasionally yeah i think trying to keep multiple tables in sync with each other is a a a real big challenge for operational games because you don't know where everyone's going to end up you get one map that's got one person on it and one map that's got 30 people on it so it's it's never gonna never gonna take the same amount of time um okay ed what were you doing uh, so we knew that either the bridge was basically on one end of the ship and the engines were on the other end of the ship. Um, and the engines also housed the uh, computer core. And our objective was to, well, our objective was to just do whatever Blackwater told us, but Blackwater's objective was to get to the computers, basically, and find out what had been happening with the ship. Um, so we, in the main room, had sort of a map of um, 
the event horizon, but it wasn't clear which end was the front, which end was the back intentionally, so we were a bit confused. And so the Blackwater docked on the um, what ended up being the engine, and the Broadsword docked on what ended up being the bridge. Um, and as soon as the Broadsword figured out that we were on the bridge, um, we all just got back in the ship and went back to the engines to support Blackwater. Um, and then once we were in the engines, um, the Russians beat us there and for some reason switched the engines on. And um, we then beat them up, threw them out of the engine room, um, and used the computers to get the information that Blackwater wanted. So how was that for you guys, having a team where you're basically subservient to another team? I think it was not the best decision um, because our brief was... Yeah, so to talk about the briefs, yeah. um, our brief was just do whatever we were told. And that's not um, particularly interesting as like in terms of like narrative engagement, especially because I don't know why, but it felt like the Blackwater team was very suspicious of us. And so they weren't giving us any information. Um, they were lying to us at certain points. And when our entire brief is to just do whatever they say and work for them, and then they're, they're, for some reason, very suspicious and distrustful of us. It makes that a very difficult relationship. Um, and then for me personally, my personal brief was to use the computers. Um, but operating anything on the ship required... Um, so, sorry, stepping back. The way the game mechanic worked um, was everybody had a certain role. And that role gave you a certain number of dice that you could roll to use to take actions. Um, and the dice were color-coded, so it was, um, I think there was red for combat, um, I think it was blue for science, um, there was, I think, green for engineering, and then white for command, and black for crazy, mysterious stuff. And I had um, either two red or one, I think it was blue, um, but that was not enough dice to actually operate a computer. And so even though my objective was to interact with the computers and talk to the AI, um, by the rules of the game, it was impossible for me to operate a computer, so I couldn't actually do anything to achieve my objective. Right. And did you have any way to augment your dice pool to add, add new dice to it or change your dice or anything? Yeah, so there, there were cards um, that you could either find randomly on the ship, um, although to, to draw cards, you had to find lockers. And once you found a locker, you could use a dice to get a draw from the locker. Um, and each different color dice would give you another draw out of the locker. But as I only had one color of dice, I could only ever get one draw from a locker. And what you got was completely random. But some of the cards um, would give you extra dice. And um, some of the teams had 3D printers and resources and stuff, so they could and they showed up with a bunch of equipment. So they could do things like um, have key cards that allowed them to get white dice or black dice to operate doors and machines and stuff like that. The um, broadsword had nothing. We had no equipment. We had no resources. We had nothing we could trade for or use to get anything. Um, so we um, begged Blackwater at various points to give us stuff. Um, and I think they gave... Two of the people on our team, um, Blackwater key cards, that would give them a black dice. But um, otherwise, there wasn't a way to get. Um, so there was no reliable way to get extra dice. I should say. Yeah. So, <clears throat> do you think that is a fundamental problem with that mechanic, or do you think it was just a balancing issue that you you were on the wrong end of? Um, I think 
the the mechanics worked. So I will say about Event Horizon is it was mechanically one of the best games I've been to. The mechanics really were solid, and they held up throughout the entire day. Um, and they had the so Johan, um, who's the the game designer, had made the or had these three um, D printed dice trays made for the game that were one of the best um, accessories for any game I've been to. It made it really um, convenient to or- to hold your dice which were necessary for the mechanics um, and it was it felt good to be carrying the dice tray around and you could see everybody else's dice trays you could see you know who's an engineer who's um, good at combat things like that um, and as the narrative went on and people started getting more and more black dice you could see the people who were becoming more corrupted by the ship basically because of their dice tray yes he was um he was talking to me about the dice tray mechanics that he was having because unfortunately I wasn't able to go to the game, but I did play in a play test in Rome a couple of weeks ago and he was showing me photos of these 3D printed dice trays, which looked absolutely incredible. And um, those kind of great components seem to be a bit of a hallmark for the games that he runs. Uh, and I was very jealous that I wasn't going to play with them, but I thought they were a great idea. So just to give you an idea, um, assuming it, it played the same way as it did in the playtest, at the beginning of the turn, you roll all of the dice that you have and the, the number that was on the dice is locked in for the turn. So you then put that with that number face up on the dice tray so that you can remember what you've rolled and you don't knock your dice over when you're moving them around and stuff. So yeah, it, it seemed like for a dice-heavy game that that kind of a thing would have made a, a real difference to to enjoyability on the day yeah it was it was really good um all, i mean all the components honestly were um were up there the the dice trays were really neat um the the way the ships were structured is they were sets of cards um that were each room was a card and so um those were um quality cards um the the iconography was very um, clean and good-looking and made it really clear what everything was. Um, the item cards, um, as later on in the day I did manage to get a hold of some item cards, um, were also very good and easy to carry around, um, very readable. Um, overall, I thought the like production quality was um, very good. The actual mechanics, you thought, were solid, but were you just maybe on the, on the wrong end of a balancing act that didn't go your way? Yeah, so I think that was the, the issue... Um, it's, I think, difficult to balance, um, random card draws, um, as a way to introduce, um, game-changing things, and also, um, the cards sometimes felt a bit too powerful. So, for example, as a, um, former Special Forces, now Mercenary, I got, um, two red dice, and that was to show that I'm, like, a really skilled combatant. But someone who got a fire extinguisher card got one red dice. So if someone had a fire extinguisher, they were half as good at combat as a trained special forces. And because the item cards stacked, someone that had managed to get two or three um, fire extinguishers was as good or better at combat as a trained member of special forces. So you think there, there should have been a less random mechanic for drawing cards or a card limit or something you think would, would have helped that? Oh, I wish I had a solution. Um, so I would I would suggest, I think, possibly... Um, making people have um, more skill dice to start with, because um, one some of the way the mechanics worked is, um, as Maddie said, there were three turns in every round, but you could only use your dice um, once in that round, and so most people had um, two or so dice to start with, which means they could take two actions, and then they were out of dice, and most actions took more than one dice. 
and then they would their dice refreshed at the end of the round. So you really needed more dice and able to be able to take advantage of the um, three turns each round. So I would suggest increasing the number of dice people start with with skills and possibly capping how many items. So you could only have one item that gives you a certain color of dice. Because, um, for example, the UN got key cards that gave them white dice. And so what some of the UN people did was they would have um, as many key cards as they could get a hold of because every key card gave them a white dice. And white dice was arguably the most powerful dice because it could sub for any other dice. Right, And so um, stacking a bunch of key cards would make you very good at doing anything on the ship. Um, whereas I think if you limit people to only one item that increases your um, number of a specific color of dice, you force people to diversify their inventories a little bit rather than just stacking up the best dice they could get a hold of. So, <clears throat> for example, in, in as, as you were talking about earlier with a fire extinguisher, if someone found two fire extinguishers, they would be as capable in combat as you as an experienced mercenary. Yeah, whereas if they could only have, um, they could only get the benefit of one card, um, they would still just be capped, no matter how many fire extinguishers they had, uh, just that one extra red dice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Like I say, um, I had a, a brief introduction to the mechanics playing in the playtest where we just simulated a couple turns of exploring the event horizon itself. So I have a, a slight understanding of how it works, but it's it's interesting to hear because uh, with all of these things, trying to scale them up is practically impossible short of playtesting with that many people. We playtested with maybe 15 people, Matty. Does that sound about right? Uh, I think we had... 14 people there for the weekend so including Johan so we would have been 13 people plus the designer for that playtest yeah okay okay so yeah so obviously you, you can't really replicate what's going to happen when 30 or 40 odd people try to break your system simultaneously and that's that's a conversation for another day about the difficulty of playtesting mega games um but you think that the mechanics themselves held up pretty well throughout the day yeah, I, I think probably the best I've seen. Lee, um, you could tell it had been playtested a lot, um, which is where the you know the conversation is about how balance, like the the balance. But at the end of the day, um, the game absolutely held up all day. Um, the mechanics held together really well. Um, like, there's always going to be questions about balance. I mean, there's some games that have been around for decades and people still quibble about the balance of the game. Balance is always a really hard thing to strike and is somewhat subjective because obviously I have my opinion on the balance, but it doesn't mean that the game didn't wasn't balanced how Johan wanted it to be. I think I was going to jump in with a, a sort of uh, a thought about the fact that it's. I think it goes in a way beyond balancing here because I think what your what it sounds like you're describing to me is that with your dice that you started out with, you didn't have enough dice to carry out individual actions. But I think. I'm sort of reading into a little bit of the design here, but it might be that what Johan intended was that people had to work together on different actions and different actions needed sort of team coordination. And that was part of the the game design intent. So the fact that you started out with less dice than you needed to be able to just sort of go on a solo mission may actually have been part of the design intent. But then there's the balancing becomes not so much well, the, the balancing becomes a question of what do you want your players to be doing? Do you want them to be able to do things by themselves and sort of go off in different directions and be able to do their own thing? Or do you want people to have to work in a team? That's absolutely fair, yeah. And I suspect from the way it was that um, that, that would make a lot of sense, that it is balanced so that you have to do stuff with other people. Yeah, but it, it sounds like 
mechanically everything was very solid very well tested because that, that was definitely the the feeling i got from the play test was that johanna clearly like you say play test play tested a lot balanced a lot modified a lot and improved as it gone and it what what i played definitely felt like a, a well-polished product so i can only assume that that was that was would have been your experience on the day as well yeah definitely yeah, controlling it felt really smooth i mean other than you know there's 10 people around a table and you, everyone is trying to do things at the same time other than just that manicness just in terms of getting things done after the first couple of turns people could you know administer their own actions administer their own movement and my job was pretty much just keeping everyone at the same phase of the turn so it worked really really well everything was you know all the cards explained themselves all that sort of stuff so really really good yeah again which i think is the sign of a of a well designed product that control isn't massively overwhelmed every turn okay so um once all the various people had gone on board the Event Horizon, um, I'm sure everyone was getting along fine and there was no conflict or anything. Uh, Matty, what what did you see? <laughs> None whatsoever. Um, well, the first couple of um, movement and action phases, people were sort of exploring, you know, opening airlocks, looking into the storage and things like that. We didn't really start seeing any conflict on our uh, side of the ship actually until the um, broadsword came on and there was a bit of fighting and subduing of other people. Um, and sort of stealing of everyone's possessions and stuff like that. Um, and then we had a big wave come in at the beginning and then a whole bunch of people left all at once. So everyone sort of seemed to go, okay, well, we've seen what's around here. Let's all go back to the to the main side of the room and, and sort of update our captains. And then we sort of had, then after that, it was sort of little waves coming every so often. Um it got a bit quiet sort of middle of the day. People seemed to be doing other things. I had a sort of few people come on and have little adventures. Um, there was some a fun thing about a, an arm that someone cut off themselves. I can't remember exactly why. I think a nightmare, basically. And then the hand came to life and he decided, I'll take it back with me. As, as you would, as you would. <laughs> as you would, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> And then I found out a couple of turns later that his captain had gone, okay, dismembered arm just flapping around by itself, airlock it immediately. <laughs> yes, that, that, I think that probably would have been my decision as well, to be honest. Maybe the, maybe the person who's carrying the arm as yeah. well, just for, just for safety reasons. Oh, he survived. Thank goodness. Okay, okay. Well, clearly that captain was a bit more lapsed than I would have been. <laughs> okay, so um, shenanigans and arm cutting off aside, um, presumably... And I don't want to go into too much detail in case of spoilers, in case Johan wants to run it again with similar similar um, backstories and so forth. But I'm assuming that all the various ships had their own uh, goals for what they wanted to do with the Event Horizon. Um, did anybody particularly succeed or did anybody particularly th thwart anybody else that you saw? Um, I Yes. So without getting into spoilers, um, the Chinese team um, did a very good job achieving their objectives. Other teams, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I, I know the Chinese team's objectives because they were very loud about them. Um, I'm not sure what everyone else's objectives were. Uh, it's it a typical mega game thing where nobody will tell anybody else what they actually want to do. Um, and that makes it very difficult to you know either figure out how you can help or hurt them, um, which is, of course, why they keep it secret. But um, I think, yeah, the Chinese team was definitely the most successful, I think. Okay, and how... 
I think we're going to have to have some light spoilers. Um, in what way were they successful? What did they manage to do to the Event Horizon that they wanted to do? Um, so basically, my understanding was their objective was to just steal as much computer data as they could and then prevent the ship from coming back so that nobody else could take advantage of it. Um, and because of the way the ship worked, um, there were a lot of computers scattered around. So they, they managed to get in get into enough of the computers to steal as much computer data as they needed. And then the end of the day happened and they got their desire of the event horizon not coming back to Earth. <laughs> That's, that sounds ominous. The major conflict towards the sort of second half of the game when people had sort of done with the sort of explore and find stuff um, sort of phase um, was very much in what direction is the ship turning and who is controlling the ship? And there was a sort of tug of war between the bridge controlling the ship and the engine controlling the ship and sort of people pointing it one direction and then someone, you know, turning it around and it pointing the other direction. <laughs> so <laughs> I can I can just imagine how that would have looked. Um, how how did that resolve itself? What was the end state of the event horizon at the at the end of the day? Well, at some point, someone blew up a section of the event horizon. So the event horizon split into, well, uh, the, the basically the bridge section sort of, I'm not sure if it exploded off or just got destroyed completely. Um, but then it the what remained was basically the, the back and the middle. And we then moved the tables together. So it was just one big table and this is the event horizon. That was a cool moment. Um, and there was no bridge anymore. So the engine was basically just somehow you know technology uh the direction of the ship was just being controlled by the engine at that point and who was in control of the engine that was uh Seamus ah yes <laughs> yes so at this point we have to address the Seamus in the room <laughs> um <laughs> this keeps happening <laughs> yes, Harrison yes, I, I do seem to keep picking games that, are, that go this way um so for for an incredible write-up of uh Seamus's Shall we say adventures? Misadventures, perhaps? Yes. So if you head on over to the uh, Mega Game Assembly blog, um, and there's, there's a two-part write-up from Seamus as to exactly what he got up to. Um, don't read it at night, and don't read it if you're on your own. <laughs> have, a, have a stiff drink ready just in case. Um, it's quite harrowing in places. <laughs> it, was very, it was very good for me because I was obviously, you know, just at... All I was seeing during the game was a third of the event horizon. And so people were sort of coming on and doing their stuff and then going off. And I wasn't seeing how everything fitted in with the overall narrative. So seeing Seamus' sort of arc, because he basically ended up on my section of the ship, not started there. So it sort of explained how he had got to this place which was really interesting. I would highly recommend um, going on there to, to, to read exactly what he was getting up to there. Um, Ed, what was your state at the end of the day? Um, so, yeah, I was pretty heavily involved in all of the stuff involving the ship blowing up and things like that. Um, so there were basically three factions in the fleet by the end. There were um, people who wanted to send the ship into the sun. There were people who just wanted to blow the ship up. And there are people who still wanted to bring the ship back to Earth because it's still full of technological wonders and stuff that they can take advantage of. One of the, the core premises of the game is that there's the, the UN is much more powerful in this universe than it is in reality. And they've managed to get this law that is there's no weapons in space, not even personal handguns. Um, so no guns, no nukes, no weapons. Nobody gets to have weapons in space. It's a uh, gun-free zone. That was really driven home um, repeatedly, you know, banging on about no no weapons allowed. And how long did that last? 
by the end of the game, the Americans and the UN um, had nukes, um, and both of them portable nukes, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, the UN and America. So weird, weird things progressed throughout the day, and by the end of the day, there were these mysterious portals that were appearing um, throughout the event horizon, and also from the event horizon into the fleet. Um, so the Americans um, put a nuke through the portal into the event horizon, set the nuke off, realized at the last minute that the portal was still connected to their ship, and so nuked the event horizon and their ship, which split their ship in half, or which destroyed their ship, split the event horizon in half. Um, but before that, the reason they chose to do that is um, everybody basically evacuated the event horizon, except for um, me and Rob and... Um, Ollie Fleck. Rob was his usual sane self and was driving the ship to Earth. Um, I was also fully sane and had decided that the best way to solve all problems was to punch them to death. Seems fair. And that we should bring the ship back to Earth um, just so I could get back to Earth. And Ollie was fully infested with brain parasites of some description. So I I beat him unconscious, um, stole all of his stuff, um, and left him to suffocate because the air was off in the ship. Then um, then the U.S. set off, I think it was the U.S. set off the first nuke that blew the ship in half and blew up their ship, which severed the bridge from the rest of the ship, so we no longer had control. Um, so I went through a portal which put me into the engine room and got in there in time to see a confrontation, I guess, between Seamus and some of his um, supporters and the Russians who didn't support Seamus, but sort of did. Where they, they all of them wanted to shove the ship into the sun, which is what Seamus wanted. Um, but some of them wanted to blow the engines up so that they couldn't be redirected. Um, whereas Seamus um, didn't want the engines to get blown up because he was spiritually connected to them, basically. Um, and that's when the uh, either one of the the next nuke went off, destroyed even more of the ship. Um, and that's, I think, where the game ended, was after that second nuke. So the Event Horizon ended the day in two pieces? Three pieces? Uh, two pieces, I think. Two pieces, which were which were quite severely damaged. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, I think, to be honest, that's probably what, we all, what we'd all expect, right? It's, it's not, the Event Horizon is not going to be ending the day in one piece, I wouldn't say. No, that's I. I think that would be not a very interesting day if it managed to get through the whole day with no nukes. Going off. <laughs> well, especially not with Chris in charge of a, of a ship. There had to be nukes going off somewhere. I mean, nukes and you've got nukes and portals going on. Obviously, the Americans are going to think of chucking a nuke into a portal, and then not realize until they've done that that the portal is still connected to the ship. <laughs> well, if you've got a nuke and a portal, what choice do you have? Absolutely, yeah. Your your path is clear. You have yeah. no choice anymore. <laughs> okay, so. Um, had you achieved your objectives or rather um, the other team's objectives at the end of the day, Ed? Or um, uh, By the end, I'd had a very fun day. Um, I, I will admit I experienced some frustration about midway through the day um, uh, just with the, um, the whole objectives being um, just do whatever these other players tell you to do. Um, but once I kind of um, abandoned those objectives to go doom guy and run around beating up whoever I felt was the bad guys. Um, I started having a really fun day. Um, and the game ending just before the climactic showdown with Seamus um, was, a, was a good way for the day to end. I had a very good time. I would, I would absolutely play the game again in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Matty, how was your overall control experience? Um, I enjoyed it, but I really felt cut out of the sort of overall narrative. I really missed the news um, and I missed sort of even as a sort of control of a small section of the of the map. If you can at least sort of listen in on the news and there's sort of an overall sort of narrative that you can sort of tune into, then that makes you feel a lot more in- engaged in the sort of overall game. Uh, so I really miss that as control, um, but it was a it was a fun day. Sort of seeing Seamus sort of do a necrotic dance in the engine, and you know people eating parasites and arms, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> Ed, did you feel a, a lack of understanding what was going on? The, the happenings everywhere else were you only able to focus on your own kind of like domain and your own area? I mean, yeah, I definitely felt that, but I, it also felt. Um thematically appropriate um so i don't know if and so i think that's where i'm struggling because i definitely agree with maddie that like not having the news made everybody much more isolated in their own narrative and and disconnected from the overall game narrative but i don't think the game would be improved by allowing everybody to connect to the same narrative i mean i think part of the game design was purposefully disconnect people you know have the two rooms in two different you know, the event horizon and the rest of the fleet in two different rooms, the timings weren't matched up. I think all of that was very much design intent. Um, and I think I can I can agree with the sort of, yeah, thematically, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I just missed it anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. <clears throat> so um, if this runs again in your kind of area, will you be signing up again? Yes. Yeah, no hesitation. Yes, definitely. And actually play next time. <laughs> yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. Uh, Ed, would you be looking for a different role or a similar role or control? Or what would you what would you like to do? I don't know. I think the, um, the council game seemed interesting um, from the outside and seeing some of the stuff that went on. I think um, the UN have a really interesting challenge in that game. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting roles, honestly. It's, it feels in many ways like um, Den of Wolves where there's a few different um, games going on, all connected to the same game, and many of them have interesting roles. So, I don't know, I think Johan could run it as often as Den of Wolves gets run, and I'd probably play it five, six times trying to see each different part of the game. Praise indeed. (laughs) Um, Yes, I suppose we should probably touch on the council game. Um, I assume neither of you really saw very much of it, Um, so feel free to interrupt me if I'm talking out my arse here, but my understanding was that the council was made up of the various captains of the ships who predominantly stayed behind while their crew risked life and limb in the event horizon um, and talked about fleet-wide issues and made agreements together which were probably then immediately ignored and that kind of thing is that is that pretty pretty accurate uh yeah that's basically the the council was supposed to be guiding things um and keeping people together um but it's it seemed definitely from the outside like a very um challenging role especially for the un person who's supposed to be leading the council um and my understanding from talking to people is um ben moores who is the uh captain of the um blackwater because he had um a lot more information in theory and in practice about what was actually going on with the event horizon than anybody else which gave him a lot of um you know informational power in the council um and so, yeah, it seemed like a really interesting um, and difficult council dynamic, but I'm not sure how you would... And that, that's where I would say I would play the council, is um, it, it's a very interesting challenge for the UN person who's in theory in charge of the council, 
but has significantly less information than this other person whose interests are not necessarily aligned with the UN's persons. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, <clears throat> reading the initial brief, um, I was supposed to play at this game, but I had to cancel relatively uh, late in the in the month. Um, and I was down to play uh, a, a ship's captain because that, to me, was the interesting part of the game. Uh, I thought that could make a very interesting and challenging day. Um, but alas, I, I, I can't say anything more than that because I didn't get to go, which I am very sad about. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, anything further to add before we wrap up from, from you, Ed? Um, well, I'd just take a chance to compliment Matty. Um, it was like the map control role um, from what I saw as I was on um, her table a few times. It was very chaotic, The um, especially when there was a lot of people on a table, a lot of people talking over each other, and because the um, action turns were happening so quickly in each round. There's a lot of things that were going on, and Maddie did an absolutely amazing job, like oh, distilling you, order out of the chaos on her table. Uh, Matty, anything to add from your side? Um, just I really hope that it happens again soon, and that I can involved in some more madness. Yes, well, judging from the interest from the community and the amount of people who, like me, didn't get to play and are very jealous of the fact that they didn't get to play, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing it again relatively soon. I also talked to a few um, new players after the game who said they had a really, really good time. So that's always a big, big plus to the just get you know new people to mega games just instantly involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, <clears throat> I, I think similar to what Ed was saying earlier about this in similarities to Den of Wolves. I think uh, an IP like this is easy enough for newbies to get into without much knowledge of anything else. Similar to, I guess, supposed to Watch the Skies. It's uh, it's an easy setting to, to experiment with mega gaming in. And it seems like a very solid, stable game to experiment in as well. So yeah, fingers crossed. And I really like that the game very specifically set out this universe does not follow physics; it follows <laughs> B movie physics. Yes, well, we uh, <laughs> we haven't got into the uh, the mechanics of the emergency cable either, did we? <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Um, I think during the day, only two people ended up using an emergency cable, and it was at the very end of the day. Oh, that's very disappointing. That's very disappointing. Uh, the The emergency cable, for those who don't know, um, was a emergency return device, shall we say, um, that every player had strapped to them who went into the event horizon. And if at any point they felt like they were in trouble, they could scream out emergency cable and control would guide them back to their ship um, at speed, uh, at great speed. (laughs) (laughs) Banging into various walls, everything on the way. Absolutely everything along the way and taking a huge amount of damage, but ending up back in their ship eventually, which could potentially be better than whatever they were facing at the time. There was some scary stuff around. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, cool. Right. Well, uh, if you guys don't have anything else further to add, um, I suppose I'll just say thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Matty, what's your next uh, game? My next game is still by the grace of God, uh, which I said last time erroneously <laughs> was my next game, um, which I entirely blame on the fact that I'm way too excited about my costume. Yes, dresses and tiaras. Who wouldn't be excited? Yep. Absolutely. Ed, what's your next game? Is it also going to involve dresses and tiaras? Um, well, that's my everyday wear, so I like to mix it up <laughs> when I go to a game. Uh, my next game is Monsterville Mansion, um, where I am a wraith, so I'm still working on that costume, but I'm hoping it is suitably terrifying. I, I have every faith that it will be. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you very much for joining us, um, and we'll see you all next time. Yeah, thank you for having me. See you next time. Bye.
Again, my thanks to Matty and Ed for joining us this month. If you'd like to read Seamus's incredible blog detailing his, let's say, experiences during Event Horizon, you can find them on the Mega Game Assembly blog and also linked on our Facebook page. Uh, again, word of warning, they are... Let's say intense. That's a good word. Talking of Seamus, he will be appearing in a interview podcast with Matt in a couple of weeks talking about his game, Kingdom of Seasons. And I will be back this time next month with a rundown of all the games that ran during October. Thank you very much once again for downloading and I'll see you next time.